0: Uh, we finished up a series uh, two weeks ago uh, on what did Jesus do, <laughs> the example he laid down for us, how he showed us how to live out the faith that he brought this uh, brought to this world. And as I prayed about what direction to go next, um, that question came to me. That was the question that the Holy Spirit just kind of came came back to me with, "What next?" What is next? What is next for you? What is next for us as a church? What is next for you as a family in following Christ? When Jesus, he finished his work on earth when he died on the cross. When he rose from the dead. When he did those two things, God's plan of redemption was complete. It was accomplished. It was done. So when when Jesus died and then rose from the dead... He led captivity captive, he uh, overcame uh, hell in the grave, and his work was done. But the work still had to go on. His job, his part was done. But the work of salvation and, re- and the redemption of humanity still had to go on. In our text that we'll be reading here in just a couple minutes, he told us that he would build his church. We talked about this throughout this last series, that Jesus said, I will build my church. The gates of hell will not prevail against it. He told us he would build his church. But at this point, that hadn't happened yet. At the point when he left and went back to heaven, he had not yet built his church. He said it would be his vehicle to reach the world with his message of redemption. But that was still to come. We are now living in uh, what, what we could term the church age. And the church is being built. The church is being completed. When we talk about the church, let me just give you a a quick theology lesson. And you may agree with me theologically on this. You may disagree. It depends usually on the way you were raised, the kind of background you had. There's usually two schools of thought. The universal church or the local church. And most people agree with local church because local church uh, theology from the Bible is simply that Having a local church in your community that you attend and minister through is God's plan. And that is clear from the Bible. But we also have what is called the universal church. Some people, uh, the hardcore Baptists that I went to college with, didn't like to talk about the universal church. They wanted to call it the universal body of Christ. And it's, it doesn't matter. It's the same thing. The universal church is simply... The church of Jesus Christ universally, those of us who have accepted Jesus Christ as our Savior, who are part of the church. When Jesus says here in Matthew 16, 18, I will build my church, which I've now quoted twice, but we'll read here in just a minute. Um, When he says, I will build my church, he wasn't talking about building a local church. He was talking about building the universal church. So you're not wrong either way. It's not a theological uh, slippery slope to go down there is the universal church all of us who have accepted Christ as our savior we're part of the body of Christ the bride of Christ and then there is the local church which Jesus has established and we go about establishing throughout our communities to meet and reach our communities with the gospel of Jesus Christ now the fact of the matter was that his followers had come his followers had to come together in unity and put into practice the principles and actions that he had taught them. Jesus did his part but then he went away. Now he said the promise that he gave that the church would be established and the church would get the gospel to the world was still the promise but his people, his followers had to take action. Now he had given them some very strong principles to abide by and to incorporate. The first one was the great, commit, the great commandment. We see that in Mark chapter 12, verses 30 and 31. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. The second is this. Love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. Jesus gave us the great commandment. And this is the foundation for my philosophy of ministry, my basic philosophy of ministry, which is relationships build churches. Because this is what Jesus said here. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength. Have a relationship with God. Build a strong relationship with your Savior, with your Redeemer, with the one who died to pay the price for your sins. Build a strong relationship with Him. Grow in that relationship. And then build relationships with others. That's the struggle we have, isn't it? Especially in our society today. Because we are so divided and so divisive and it so, it's so difficult not to find common ground. And, and hear me out on this because we've, we've just become a very irritable society. It's not difficult to find ground, common ground in my opinion. I believe, in, in my opinion, we have gotten to the place in our society where it's difficult to want to find common ground. We've become very adept at circling the wagons. We become very adept at taking our stance on things. Yet we're not really strong in sitting down and having a chat with somebody. I had, a, had coffee with Andy Zander here, one of the new men of our church here uh, this week. Just had a great conversation. We, I mean, we were both almost late for our next appointments because we just talked forever. And we got to know each other. And I'm sure if we got to know each other as we get to know each other over the months and years to come... Andy and I will probably find common ground and then we'll probably find areas in life that we may not necessarily agree on. Even in our disagreements, we've got to be able to find common ground that we agree to disagree without being disagreeable. We've got to be able to get along with folks. Jesus told us that. Listen, if you're going to be effective as a witness of Jesus Christ, as a minister of Jesus Christ, as a follower of Jesus Christ, you have got to learn to love other people. You've got to learn to love other people. If it's so hard for you to love somebody that you don't agree with, remember this. Jesus died for them. He loved them enough. I love the song, uh, old song, I'll date myself, by a uh, Point of Grace. God loves people more than anything. It was one of their first hits. Anybody remember Point of Grace? They were probably, some of you were probably born after their career was over. Um, They sang a song, God loves people more than anything. And the chorus says, uh, he loves them uh, more than anything. um, Now I can't remember. He'd rather die than let them go because God loves people more than anything. That's a powerful thought. When, when Adam and Eve sinned and humanity turned against God, he could have just wiped everybody out and started all over again. In fact, uh, one of my favorite groups, New Song, sang a song, uh, I'd start all over on Mars. If I was God and mankind did what they did to, me, to him to me, I'd scrap the whole thing and start all over on Mars. Okay, But that's not what he did. He loved humanity enough. He loved his creation enough to die for them and provide a way for them to get back to him. So if we can't find anything else to to find value in in someone, find value in them in this, that Jesus loved them enough to die for them. And if he can find value in them, you have to find. You need to be able to find value in him. So he gave us the great commandment. The second thing he gave us was the great commission. We hear this all the time, right? The great commission, Matthew 28, 19, and 20. Go therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always in, to the end of the age. One of, my, uh, one of the pastors I worked for years ago told me this. He said, John, when you become a pastor, You take care of the depth of your church and God will take care of the breadth of your church. In other words, if you provide people with the opportunity to grow deeper in their faith, then they will learn how to enact their faith and activate their faith and they will reach out and your church will grow. And that's what we're doing here. That's what we're seeing here. You have five opportunities right now throughout the week to get into a Bible study here at New Life. Five different opportunities. And that's going to continue to grow. As our men's ministry gets kicked off, the idea there is to get us all together as a group and then as Lewis has uh, gave me some great advice on this some great uh, wisdom on this, then we're going to break into small groups in the men's ministry. And we're going to have small groups and those are, are going to be some small group Bible studies and that's how you grow deeper in your faith. Get involved. Get, get, in, get involved in your own discipleship and as a church, that should be our our number one goal is to deepen people in their faith. So he gave, them, he gave them the great commandment to build relationships, the great commission to deepen people in their faith, teach them all things that I've given to you. He then gave the model of ministry and service. Jesus was all about modeling ministry for people. He was all about going out and doing things and reaching out to people and helping others out and getting involved in the faith that he was bringing. In Matthew 14, 19, it said, Then he commanded the crowds to sit down on the grass. He took the five loaves and the two fish, and looking up to heaven, he blessed them. He broke the loaves. And before I go on, let me tell you this. As I was reading this and preparing this, praying about this next series, something hit me. And Dad, I'm sure this happened to you as you were preparing sermons in the past. Something hit me about this verse that I had never, that had never hit me before in this way. And that's why you should always read your Bible every day, even if you've read it before, because the Bible speaks to you in different ways at different times of your life. And as I read this, I noticed that it says, He broke the loaves and then gave them to the disciples. And the disciples, gave them to the crowds. So Jesus is credited, and I'm not taken away from Jesus, okay, don't get me wrong. Jesus is credited with feeding the 5,000, but he's not the one that did it. His disciples fed the 5,000. Jesus provided the meal. He was the chef. But the disciples were the servers. And in this act of amazing, miraculous ministry, Jesus, who is teaching his disciples, I am the bread of life, but you now need to take it to the world. How cool is that? Jesus said, I am what they need, but just like, I, that the, just like these people needed lunch and I provided it, you have to take it to them. Jesus modeled ministry to his disciples and to us. So we have the perfect model, and we spent a lot of time talking about that in the last series. And then he sent the Holy Spirit to teach and guide them. John 14, 26 says, But the Counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the, Holy, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and remind you of everything I have told you. Now, good Baptists really want to deny the powerful working of the Holy Spirit. Because we think that it's, uh, because they, okay, think that it's, it's charismatic. Pentecostal, but it's not. It's Bible. The Holy Spirit truly exists. And the Holy Spirit was given to us to teach us and lead us and guide us. Don't get hung up in the little things that you don't agree with and and fail to realize that the Holy Spirit is your teacher. The Holy Spirit is your guide through life, through your faith. He's the one that will teach you how to use what you're learning. He's the one that will open the doors for you. We're going to be talking as we get through into this series um, about using your gifts that God is... not, not going to get into the specific gifts. We're going to be talking about using your gifts and allowing the Holy Spirit to teach you and help you to understand. I've had the pleasure of being married to Aaron now for this week. It'll be eight years, October 1st. And uh, how long for you guys? Same. Same, eight years. Really? Are you serious? Same exactly. No kidding, no kidding. Um, a couple, uh, Josh and Taylor... Uh, we're married on October. I can't believe it. It's same, same amount. Of time. That's cool. That's cool. We're going out to dinner with them to celebrate our anniversaries. But I've been married to Aaron for eight years. It's been a huge privilege. Uh, I've loved getting to know this woman, love spending time with her. And I've loved watching her grow in her faith. And I've loved watching her learn about her giftings. And sitting down and sharing with her and help her work this out. And the one thing I've learned about Aaron and realized about Aaron, and if you've spent any time with her or if you've been out anywhere with Aaron, you'll know that Aaron has the gift of evangelism. And I've got to be honest now, I don't know everybody in the world, um, but I have not met many people who are as gifted in that gift as Aaron. Aaron can turn buying a slushie at 7-Eleven into an opportunity to share her faith. It's just amazing to me. I, I don't have that. I can sit down and talk, but it would be very, it's kind of an awkward turn to make for me. Hey, I'll have ham and eggs. And by the way, you know, but she just has that natural gift. Therefore, as a pastor, it's my job and my responsibility to provide opportunities for her to use that gifting. Many of you are here today because you met Aaron, right? you met Aaron, or somebody you know met Aaron, right? And that's the same with with the giftings that we have. Many of you have different gifts. We're going to find out about that. Um, But you learn your giftings through a close relationship with the Holy Spirit and allowing him to teach you and take you through the learning process of your faith and understanding what you learn in your Bible study, what you learn in your own devotions, what you learn on Sunday... You now have to apply and you allow the Holy Spirit to teach you how to apply that to your life and you grow. All these things were given. They had everything that they needed to be successful as a church. The early church, first century church, man, once Jesus left, they had everything they needed. In fact, Jesus said, you need to go and wait. Go and wait and the Holy Spirit is going to be sent to you. He, He gave them everything they needed. He'd even given them the guarantee that they would be successful. They just needed to act on all of it. You understand that? They had the guarantee, the guarantee that they would be successful in their ministry for Jesus Christ. All they had to do was act on it. And they did. And in doing so... They passed down a heritage of faith to those of us through the years that would choose to follow Christ. We have an example. We have a template. We have a blueprint to follow for success in life and ministry. Those early followers did this knowing some very important truths about Jesus' words and his plans that he boldly proclaimed in Matthew 16, 18. Now, let's read our text. Matthew 16, 18. And I say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not overpower it. And remember, if you read that verse, if you look it up in the Hebrew, you'll see that Peter is the word Cephas and the word, I mean, Petros, and um, the word rock is the word Petra. Two different words. Peter is little stone and the word rock there, Petra, is big boulder. Jesus says, you're Peter and I appreciate the fact that you are committed to me, but this is the rock that I'm going to build on. And if you will build on the rock of Jesus Christ, if you will build a life on the rock of Jesus Christ, if you will build a marriage on the rock of Jesus Christ, if you will build a relationship, a friendship, a business on the rock of Jesus Christ, and most importantly, if you will build a church on the rock of Jesus Christ, the gates of hell will not prevail against it. That's a guarantee from Jesus Christ, the author and finisher of our faith. These early Christians had that, and they had it from the mouth of the Savior. He had told them up, for, up close and personal, you have success guaranteed. Joshua 1.8, same thing, right? The, book of the This book of the law will not depart out of your mouth, but you'll meditate in it day and night. That you may observe to do all, all according to all that is written therein, for then you'll make your way prosperous, and then you'll have good success. We have guarantees all through the word of God that if we will stay on God's path, if we'll stay in God's way, if we'll do things God's way, we will be successful. Doesn't mean you won't have struggles. Don't mean Doesn't mean you won't have difficulties. What it does mean is that you will be successful. The early church had these guarantees. They had everything in place. They had everything they needed. They had all the tools they needed to be successful. All they had to do was do it. And do it God's way. That's where we run into trouble so many times as Christians and as a church. We don't want to get on the same page. It goes back to what I said at the beginning. We don't want to get along. We want to have control. We want to be in charge. We're at a very blessed and pivotal point in our church's history. We are growing, growing, growing. It's amazing. It's amazing. We spent more Sundays over a hundred in the summer, right, Jonathan? More Sundays over a hundred in attendance over the summer than we did under a hundred. Never happened here before. In fact, most—I don't think—before in the summer we've ever maybe one time we broke a hundred in our past in the summertime. So we're growing, and a lot of things are happening, and we're we're starting to see uh, the the fingers of new life reach out and new things started, and it gets. More difficult. It's like it can be like a runaway um, wagon. I couldn't think of the word. It's like a runaway wagon. And you've lost the reins of the horses. And you're trying to get them back if we don't do things God's way. If we do things God's way, this this wagon isn't gonna stop. It's gonna continue down the road, and great things are gonna continue to happen. We're gonna continue to see things go on. But I'm telling you folks. The danger of where we're at right now is that we start to do our own thing our own way. And if we start to do our own thing our own way, we're going to get in trouble. And we're going to lose focus. We're going to lose unity. Go back to that great commandment. Love your neighbor as yourself. You know what that means? Your neighbor has as much value as you do. Your neighbor matters as much as you do. We had, I've just got to say again to our, uh, our, our Brazilian uh, Friend, that was amazing last Sunday, guys. It was, I, I, I had more, more good comments and messages back from that Sunday than I have on a Sunday in a long time. And it was awesome. You guys did a phenomenal job. And what that showed me and what it should have shown our church is that we have a group of people that are burdened to reach a, a section of our community that we can't reach on our own. So they're coming to our church and partnering with us and we're partnering with them and they have amazing value in ministry. They know what they're doing, man. Did you you realize that? They know what they're doing. And if we allow them to come in and they join in and we all work in unity, do you realize we're going to have Portuguese speaking people in our area come to know Christ? How cool is that? I can't speak Portuguese. They can you see, that's... And, and by the way, let me, just, let me just throw this out there. I'm not offended by that. I think that's awesome. These are people who have a gifting from God and have a burden, a passion from God to do something that I am not able to do. I love that. I love that my church is open to that kind of ministry. We're seeing all kinds of things go on. We, I talk about the men's ministry again. I, I, I put the gentleman in charge of it that I did because... Um, they're quite honestly, they're younger than me, and to reach this generation of men, you really need to be tuned into their generation. I'm there to support. I'm there to help. I'm there to mentor, but I don't. I, I I'm feeling really old because I don't get a lot of this younger generation. I need an interpreter, like I said, and uh, my son is my interpreter for for this generation. <laughs> really, my oldest son. Uh, I find no shame in that. I think that's awesome, that I've got men and I've got women that are in, that are doing great things with the ladies of our church, doing things that I can't do. And I find that awesome, because people are gifted in different ways. But we're not going to get into that message today. Now, there are some primary truths from this passage that we need to understand some are are blatantly stated and some are implied by the statement Jesus made about his church. Things that the early church knew (laughs) and acted on. The early church understood and took steps to, uh, to take care of. And I want to share those with you this morning. The first one is this. The church is the primary functionary in God's plan of redemption. The church is God's primary functionary in God's plan of redemption. Why is that important? Because that's God's plan. Because that's God's way. You may not like it. You may may prefer to attend Bedside Baptist on a Sunday morning. But God says you need to be in a church. Why? Because it is God's primary way of reaching the world for Jesus Christ. Jesus died for our sins but there had to be a plan to get the message to the the world the church is God's vehicle, the vehicle by which the world will be reached with the gospel, that's God's plan like I said, you may not like it, you may disagree with it if you disagree with it, you disagree with the Bible, just understand that because God's plan to reach the world is to reach the world through the local church, that's God's plan Paul modeled that throughout his ministry. Paul didn't just go around preaching in the marketplace throughout Asia. Paul went to cities and established churches. He established churches. And those churches he oversaw. He put uh, individuals in charge to oversee it, to lead it, to preach to them. And then he went and started another church somewhere else. Because God's plan for reaching the world is to reach it through the local church. That's God's plan. The second thing is this. The church is built and empowered by Jesus himself. The church is built and empowered by Jesus himself. The blueprint for the church has been laid out in God's word And the Bible tells us that Jesus is the living word, so the word of God is Jesus' message to us about how to live out the Christian life. And we have throughout the Bible the teaching and the training and the blueprint for establishing a church. Now, there are different philosophies. Some of you come from different philosophical backgrounds in churches. Um, We have people that have come to visit here, and the philosophy that we employ here is not the philosophy that they choose to be involved in, so they, they find somewhere else to go. Philosophy is one thing. Reaching, reaching people through a certain philosophy of ministry is, an import, is important for a church to have an identity. But philosophy is not theology. Let me explain that. The way you do things is, is not your theological statement. The way you stand on the word of God and what you believe about the word of God, that's your theology. Here in New Life, the word of God is our source. The Bible is our source. From cover to cover, mistake-free. Mistake-free. There are no contradictions in the Bible. There are no mistakes in the Bible. If you don't understand it, it's not the Bible's fault, it's yours. The Bible says, if you come to the Word of God with a hunger and a thirst to know righteousness, and you pray and ask the Holy Spirit for divining wisdom, He will teach you what the word of God means and what it says. And he will teach you how to apply it to your life. The problem, the disconnect is, we don't want to apply it to our lives the way he teaches us to apply it to our lives. When you get your will in line with God's will, then you accomplish his purpose for your life through your church. When you put God's plan and God's word first in your home and in your family... In your marriage, it's not going to be smooth. I'm not going to lie to you and tell you everything's going to be lollipops and lemonade. But there will be the strength and the wisdom to endure struggles. And there will be an understanding of what truly matters. Those of you with children, it's a struggle to raise kids. Right, we have. And I've, I've said this several times over the last couple of months. We have, we have several families this morning. One, congratulations, by the way, Jess Arias, first time for her, uh, brand new baby in church. It's awesome. It's been wonderful, hasn't it? Three boys. Just wait. <laughs> Just wait. Just wait. They have twins that are two, and now a newborn, and. In about four years, yeah, the area's house is going to be in, 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 a very interesting place to be, <laughs> right? My, my niece and nephew just had their second child. They've got a, a two-year-old and a newborn. In about four years, listen, sweet little boy, is going to terrorize his sister <laughs> or the other way around, right? And Lord above, Jonathan and Mary, Charlie, and then twin boys. I know where I'm not going to spend my afternoons. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And the best of them all is I've got a new grand a granddaughter coming. And Jack, Jack, I love Jack to death. Jack's a fun little boy. I'm just going to sit back and enjoy watching my son and daughter-in-law. <laughs> oh my gosh, oh my gosh! You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I'm grandpa. I'll see you later. <laughs> you deal with this as I'm dealing with two 16-year-old twin boys at that time, right? <sighs> Let me tell you, it's not going to be easy. It's a difficult time. These families, they need our support to help them as they make this transition. Because those of us who have been there know, it's not an easy transition to go from one to two to three or two to three, wherever. It's difficult. But I promise you that if you put Jesus at the forefront of your family and of your home and if you make that the foundation on which you build, you will be successful. Because you know, even though it's tough and it's difficult and it's rough and you want to pull your hair out metaphorically speaking, you have a purpose in life with this family. And there is a me and there is an end to the process when Gabriel and Michael accepted Christ as their Savior, it was the greatest moment in our family's history. It was awesome. when they came to know Jesus Christ. Then they got baptized on Easter. It was awesome. It was awesome. That was, that was the end of the beginning, right? The, the, the beginning is to see our children come to know Christ as their Savior. That, when they accept them, that's the end of the beginning. Now we teach them how to live. In our church... We need to understand that Jesus has built and laid the foundation and has given us the power to build this church, to activate what's going on here. And we need to put that into practice. Colossians 1.18 says, he is also the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that he might come to have first place in everything. Old King James says, he might have the preeminence. I love that word. You might have the preeminence. If you give Jesus Christ first place in your life, in your home, and if we keep him first in our church, we will be successful. It's a guarantee. The third thing is that the church has and will have enemies. The church has and will have enemies. We're at a point in, in our nation's history. Um, listen, we're a pivotal point. In our history, I follow these things. Did you know that there are um, there are members of of uh, of government who have tried to uh, pass laws in our nation, in our nation and in our state that limit my ability as a pastor to speak the truth of the Word of God? They want to limit the speech they, because because telling people they're, if they don't believe the way we do they're going to go to hell. They call that hate speech called hate speech by some people i call it the truth the truth will set you free but there are those if they had their way we wouldn't be able to do that they would limit the way we minister in church the way we reach out and do different things they would put limits and laws on us that keep us from spreading the gospel much like many other countries in this world the church has and will have enemies There always has been and will always be those who try to uh, destroy the church, both from within and without. There are those inside the church that just constantly complain and try to build up a form of resistance against the leadership. Not this church, that's all I'm saying. Not yet. Okay. I, I told you about my friend years ago that was a deacon in the church we were attending, he said, he told me, he says, my job as a deacon is to protect the church from the pastor. I looked at him. I was like, well, then you need to get out of your position because that's not at all what the Bible says a deacon is supposed to do. The church has enemies, always has, always will. (laughs) We need to understand that. John 16, Jesus said, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. You will have suffering in this world. Be courageous. I have conquered the world. We do have enemies. We will have enemies. But we can't let them win the day. We need to realize and remember that Jesus Christ has already won the war. Understand this. The war has already been won. The outcome is already assured. But you as a Christian, listen to this, the outcome has already been assured, but you as a Christian could still be a casualty of war. You understand that? The the outcome is guaranteed. We still have to fight battles every day. And even though the outcome has been assured, you could still be a casualty of war. You need to make sure you stand on the word of God and understand that Your hope is in Jesus and nothing else. Your hope is in Jesus and nothing else. The fourth thing I see is this. The church is is eternal. It will never be defeated or destroyed. Even from within. Even if this church closed its doors, the church universal will still go on. The work of Jesus Christ will continue. Ephesians 527 says he did this to present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or anything like that, but holy and blameless. There is power. There is no power in the universe that can defeat the church. These were guarantees that Jesus gave to his followers and that he gave to us. If we stay true to the word of God here at New Life, in our church and in our lives... If we stay true to the message that we've been given, if we continue to reach out to, with others with the love of Jesus Christ and the gospel message of Jesus Christ, if we continue to keep ourselves pure in actions and we continue to seek after the Word of God and the truth of the word with a hunger and a thirst for righteousness, we will be successful here at New Life. We will continue to be successful here at New Life. Listen, we're, we're, we're growing, and I'm already talking to Jeremy and some, some other men in the church about things we can do to continue to expand, to continue to meet the needs and reach. We're already in discussions and talk to our deacons in our meetings. We're already talking about the infrastructure of a second service. How many of you would like a 9 o'clock service to go to? Yeah, got a lot of people that would love a 9 o'clock service. We have, I've had people tell me that they could be more faithful if we have a Saturday night service. So the second service we're going to add is 9 o'clock Sunday morning. The third service we're going to add is a Saturday night service, probably at 5 o'clock, 5.30, something like that. Because we want to give people the opportunity to be in church every week and the more we grow the more we uh, the, the more we grow the more opportunity we have to splinter and fail but if we keep Jesus as the foundation we know we'll be successful because he's promised that to us I know a lot of you are new in faith a lot of you have come from churches where it's been a troubled background in those churches and you've come from many of you came from dysfunctional churches I've been a part of dysfunctional churches before And sometimes you have to walk away from a dysfunctional church because nobody else wants to be functional. And you have to get your family to a place or yourself to a place where you can be free to follow Jesus Christ. As we continue to grow, the opportunity to become dysfunctional grows. Understand that. But so does the opportunity to spread the love of Jesus and be functional. How awesome would it be? How awesome would it be? I would love, I would love to have to do nothing but just, I don't know, on Monday, just like decompress completely because Saturday night all through Sunday, I've been preaching and ministering. That'd be awesome. That'd be amazing. Be amazing. See your friends and family turned on to Jesus Christ for once or again because they they can come to a church that is fully functional in the grace and mercy and word of Jesus Christ number five I see as a follower of Jesus you are expected to be part of a local church because that is God's plan he didn't pick and choose who was going to be saved therefore he didn't pick and choose who his commands are, are meant for Jesus expects all of us to be part of a local church. Now, whether you take formal membership in that church or not is up to you. It's really not, um, there, there's no requirement from the word of God that says, thou shalt join a local church, uh, put your name on the dotted line, so thou shalt be able to minister. It's not there, folks. It's just not there. That is a creation of, uh, and a function, and it's, a, and it's got a very important function, legally. There's a, it's a legal function, but it's also uh, has other functions, but some have taken it to extremes and, and done certain things. But whether you do it through official membership or just being part of the church, whether, whether you're on the official church membership roles or not, uh, if you're a, a, an attender here and you get involved, you're a new lifer. Okay. You're a new lifer. No doubt about it. You're fulfilling God's purpose and God's plan for your life. He expects you to be part of a local church. Why do you, now, and I know there are those who argue and say, no, 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 the, the local church, it's, it's a man-made invention. No, it's not a man-made invention, okay? It's not, it's not. That's just a silly argument. And I, listen, I am so assured of that and convinced of that, I, know, I don't even entertain the discussion anymore. It's just silly. It's just that Jesus himself said, I'll build my church. The, the, the New Testament was written to the church. It's right there. You just don't want to see it. And that's fine. If that's the way you choose, you're going to have to stand before for God. And I realize I'm preaching to people that aren't here. (laughs) So because you because you get it because you're here today. Right. Um, But it's it's God's plan that we be part of a church. And as we continue through this series, we're going to talk about how to be part of this church the opportunities that are there, the way you can. Not everybody can be a teacher. Not everybody's gifted to be a teacher. Therefore, don't try to fit a square peg into a round hole. If you're not a teacher, we're not going to make you a teacher. Okay? Quite honestly, if you don't have the gift of teaching, I don't really want you teaching. Okay? Because you're not fulfilling the gift of God in your life. There's so many other ways that you can get involved. Listen, if you want to be a hairdresser for Jesus and you're counting on me to be your client, <laughs> you're going to have to find something else to do. <laughs> Sorry, Lewis, didn't mean to make you cry. Right? That's just the way it is. God's gifted you in certain ways and you need to get involved in those, in those ways. Four times in the book of Acts, the word added is used. Four times in the book of Acts, the word multiplied is used, talking about the growth of the church. In other words, when people got saved, when people accepted Christ as their Savior, they, got, they connected with the church. It's important. It's God's way. Boy, how awesome is it when you start to do, you go beyond a, just um, addition of the church and you turn your growth of your church to Multiplication. That's pretty cool, the arithmetic of church growth, right? We go from addition, we don't even talk about subtraction, right? <laughs> we go from addition to multiplication. Boy, when the, when the, local, when the, when the church started multiplying, whew, then they started shooting people out everywhere and they started planting churches in other cities and other regions of the world, amazing. Hurry on! 1 Corinthians 12, 27 says, Now you are the body of Christ and individual members of it. Here we go. We go from the universal church that Jesus was going to establish down to the local church. The local, you're individually members of it. We're a body, we're a corporate body of Christ, but we're individuals that operate within it. Number six, your growth, success, and effectiveness as a believer is directly connected to your service in a local church through the use of your spiritual gifts. I know that's a big mouthful there. But your growth and effectiveness, the depth of your spirituality as a Christian is directly connected to your service in a local church through the use of your spiritual gifts. That's how you're to work out your faith. That's how how you're to work out your salvation. That's how you're to serve Jesus Christ using your gifts through the ministry of a local church. Ephesians 4, 15 15 and 16. But speaking the truth in love, let us grow in every way into him who is the head, Christ. From him the whole body fitted and knit together by every supporting ligament. Remember we talked about that a few weeks ago? How ligaments support and how we're all connected in this? promotes the growth of the body for building up itself in love by the proper working of each individual part. We grow and become a greater, stronger, more powerful church for the kingdom of Jesus Christ by each individual member growing stronger and serving and doing their part, whatever that part is. And then, lastly, whether or not you take advantage of your opportunity to be involved in a local church, the work and plan of God will go on and be successful. God will always have someone to fill the need. Just because you don't agree, just because you don't believe, and just because you walk away, just because you don't get involved, doesn't mean the plan of God is not going to go forward. The church is indestructible. The mission of Jesus Christ will always go forward. God will always have a people. Someone will always step up. Esther 4, 4, verse 14. This is another one. As I studied this for this sermon, something jumped out at me. For if you remain silent at this time, relief and deliverance for the Jews will arise from another place. Remember Esther? The the Jews were going to be wiped out. They, they They were in bondage, and they were going to be wiped out. And Esther was placed, Esther was a Jew, and she was going to be the queen. And Esther uh, needed to speak up for her people. And her uncle came to her and he said "He said these words, listen, if you choose not to do your job, understand this, salvation and deliverance of the Jews will come from another place. The Jews are going to be delivered. The Jews will not be wiped out. Deliverance will come from somewhere. And he went on to say, and who knows, but that you have come to your royal position for such a time as this. Who knows? Listen. New life is going to grow. New life is going to prosper. New life is going to continue. As long as I'm the pastor, I have I, I commit to God and to this church, that I will continue to preach the word of God and continue to try to uh, deepen people in their faith and continue to provide opportunities for you to get involved. But should you walk away and should you just refuse, understand the ministry of this church will go on. It has gone on for over 40 years. My father and mother made that commitment. This ministry will continue to go on whether you choose to go on or not for those watching through Facebook for those who will listen to this podcast understand this if you choose not to serve if you choose not to get involved some quite honestly listen to our podcast or watch on Facebook so they don't have to go to church i get that i understand that the goal of our of our Facebook ministry and our podcast ministry is Twofold. First of all, it's to get the gospel of the world. We've had how many different, 27 different countries, Jonathan? Our podcast has been downloaded in 27 different countries Iran, Iran, Greece, okay? Um, so it's to get the gospel and the word out to others. But secondly, it's to motivate people to reach them with the truth of the word so that they will be motivated whether it's here in the Springfield metro area or anywhere they are, that they will be motivated to connect with a local church so that they can get involved. That's my purpose. That's our purpose. It's not to become TV evangelists and and have this great broadcast ministry. It's so that we can motivate people, reach them with the gospel and then motivate them to get connected to a local church. Seriously, that's our goal. But if you never do, the gospel will still go on. But understand this. You have been brought to new life. You have connected with new life. You're drawn here for some reason. There's a reason why you come back every week. There's a reason why you come back every other week or how often your, your time is that you're here. There's a reason why. And the reason is... The Holy Spirit is prompting you to be here. He's got a purpose for your life. He's got a place of service and ministry here for you. You have come to this church for such a time as this. He has brought you here for a purpose. The choice is on you. Will you get involved? Will you start using your gifts in ministry? I know, man, I know it can be frustrating. Sometimes, even at a church our size, sometimes people could be locked out of ministry because somebody else is doing the job. But there are other places to get involved. And we, we will add ministries we need to as we move along, as we have the need for them. But while you're waiting, or maybe while you're trying to find out what your gifting is, my greatest advice to you is this, get involved somewhere. Start doing something. Start getting involved with somebody. Check out one of our, talk to one of our deacons and see if they can plug you in somewhere. See if they can connect you with something. Because the best way to figure out what God has for you is to start getting busy in the ministry of Jesus Christ. Your choice is whether or not you want to be part of God's plan or just sit on the sidelines and watch. Through this series, we're going to be taught how to get involved and thrive. How to be a vital, prosperous member of a vital, prosperous church. To be a functional Christian in a functional body of Christ. I'm excited, man. I'm excited about what God is doing here. I'm excited about watching people connect with their faith. One of the greatest things for me is to see people who have been searching for their purpose to see them find it and to watch them blossom as followers of Christ. It's amazing. It's amazing to see. I challenge you to be here, to be here for this series. Find out and and pray and ask God, what he would have you to do and where he would have you to be in this church. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the opportunity to be here today. Thank you, Lord, for your word and for the truth of it. God, I pray that each and every one of us will come to you in prayer, asking, seeking, knocking, Father, to find out what it is you have for us and where it is you want us to serve. Lord, as we go from here today, I pray that we'll honor you with our lives, that we will honor you with our service. Lord, open doors for us. Let us see them plainly so that we might be able to walk through them and reach the people that we need to reach for you. Bless us as we go, Lord, in your name we pray.